This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Okay, let me just before we start the podcast, I'm just I'm just uh, for sale one small Pomeranian. <laughs> Sounds decent. How's it chipped? Um, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmaurice. Sorry, just buying the kids a dog. Um, alongside me is <laughs> Paul Ghost. How are you, Paul? I'm trying to remain stony-faced. Yeah, I would yeah. have found you, yeah. It's, it's no laughing matter. And, uh, and obviously, Kiefer O'Neill as well is, is opposite me. Hello, my lovely. Hello. Uh, fresh from the uh, the exploits of your night out. Yeah. With, uh, were you on the night out, the James yeah, yeah. Pierce farewell there, do? Yeah. We're living in a post-James world now. You're living in a post-James world, yeah. Yeah, we uh, was living in Popwell for several hours as well. That sounds amazing. I was in the comedy club doing it, doing me, me act, but um, and and then I got way laid. Otherwise, I would have popped down because it said to to, to Percy that I would come down, and I liked him a lot. Good lad. He's still around, of course. You know, he'll always be around in the ether. But um, well done, Percy. A little tribute to you. Good luck in your new venture, my mate. You are you will be much missed, and uh, you're a good lad. Uh, so let's talk all things Liverpool Football Club. If like me, you've been waiting for another chance to see. Uh, this incredible team carry on. We didn't really want the season to end, did we? Let's be honest with you. Uh, but it has to, of course. Uh, you don't have long to wait because tomorrow night they start their pre-season games against Tramier Rovers. Uh, it's at Prenton, is it? Prenton yeah, Park? yeah, yeah. At Prenton Park. Uh, who, uh, Paul, are we likely to see? Obviously the front three with the with the Akon. Obviously um, mm. Sadio Mane still very much involved in the Africa Cup of Nations. Mo Salah isn't, but he was uh, weirdly spotted in a Dubai mall. Somebody took a photograph of him. Uh, he was walking past with a pair of sunglasses on and a cap and some girl collared him and he oh, went, yeah, you're yeah. the only person who's recognised me. So he took everything that. off and didn't take everything off. Obviously, he left his clothes on. Took his cap and his shades off and got a little... Uh, so he's obviously a well-earned holiday mm. and obviously Bobby Firmino and Alisson as well. So who are we likely to see turn up? The, the cleaner? <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, cattle and the cattle and the... <clears throat> the uh, Kitchen staff. Yeah, the chef, yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's a 16-man squad who, who reported for training on Saturday. And then Divock Origi and Jaren Shakiri joined them on Monday and Lovren joined them on Tuesday. But uh, Shakiri's injured, so yeah. he won't be part of the pack. So I think it'll be a, an interesting team. I think he's likely to, to go with a mix for both halves. You know, he's probably likely to see two teams, but it won't be... I wouldn't imagine it'd be Gomez alongside Mata for the first half. I think you're likely to see one of them in the first and then... The other one in the second alongside maybe Sepp Vandenberg. Um, <clears throat> Anderson and Roy, I was an interesting one, the, the Colombian left-back who signed just after Virgil van Dijk and hasn't played a game and he, he got sent to Mallorca for six months and then sent to Ghent in Belgium. Um, not much is known about him, to be honest. He played in the Under-20 World Cup over the summer. They got to the quarterfinals, I think, before they got beat by the, the winners Ukraine. So um be interesting to see him, a um, little, little bit of interest in him. Uh, Fabinho will be there. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think he's probably the, the standout name. He, he missed so much football, didn't he, last year? Uh, two appearances after his serious knee injury. So I think it'll be good to see him in action. I think he'll probably be the one who's looking to impress the most. Yeah, yeah. Fabinho's going to be there with his new teeth, by all accounts. Has he got new he's teeth? Had a, he's had a trip to, uh, to, uh, to the, the dentist. He yeah, does yeah. the more, the dentist yeah. to the stars, yeah. hasn't he? So, yeah, he'll be, uh, he'll be showing off his pearly whites. What do you, do you know if you're a Liverpool player and you come back to the first games against Tranmere, do you, just, do you think they think, Flam, you mustn't think much of me if you put me in this lineup? <laughs> <laughs> or do you think, presumably, they're all just the likes of the Matips and the Oxlade Chamberlain? Do you just, I can imagine, a chomping at the bit, can't you, to, to put on that red shirt and get out again for another season? Yeah, definitely, especially the young lads. You know, it's some of their probably only chances to to play for Liverpool this season, you'd think. The first team anyway, it's a massive honour. Like, you know, you sort of sometimes can easily forget 
what an honour it is to play for Liverpool Football Club, even if it is in a pre-season friendly. You know, not many people get the chance to do it. And, you know, we'd all bite your hand off, I think, if Jürgen Klopp said, come on, Keeve, get your boots on, yeah. <laughs> get out there, you know. So, yeah, obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain will be massive having missed so much football. He'll want to put a bit of a marker down himself and, you know, show the fans and the watching everyone watching around the world that he's he's back and ready ready fighting for the new season um, and then obviously players like Gomez and Matip were involved last season a lot so you think they'd just be like happy to get some minutes in the legs won't they and, and also as well I think <coughs> it's an and visit Birkenhead it's what and visit Birkenhead and visit Birkenhead why wouldn't you um, <laughs> it's also a good uh, it's also a good time isn't it I think for Liverpool fans to see what could be in in a lot of cases the future lineups, isn't it? Because I mean, you have got the Hovra, who has yeah. name, name I'll get right one day, but he played some. Uh, he played some. He played a lot of the preseason stuff, didn't he, last season? And he looks like an absolute gem, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he made his debut, didn't he, in, in uh, against Wolves in January in the FA Cup. Come off a Lovren who pulled his hamstring inside the first five minutes, and he didn't look out of place actually. Um, alongside Fabinho, we'd never played there himself, so it was a really makeshift centre centre back pairing, and, and he, he took to it like a duck to water. I remember one incident in the second half where he just brought it out of defence, yeah. carried it maybe 30, 40 yards, and just laid it off to Salad, I think. So he, he's a talent. I think he's I think he's still only seventeen actually. Um, I know Liverpool have got high hopes for him. Be great to see how he sort of how he's come on over the last six months during pre season. Rian Brewster's the big one, isn't he? Um, yeah. High ups for him, obviously, so long out of action at such a young age with a horrendous leg and ankle and knee injury almost, a, a strange one that kept him sidelined for over a year. So um, there might not be the new signings that loads of fans are, are chomping at the bit to see, but there's enough um, enough intrigue for the players the fans haven't really seen much of to, uh, to stay focused over the next month. Yeah, it should be it should be interesting, and you just you mentioned it lightly there, but we'll 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 come back to it now. I mean, we're forever getting players injured on international duty. I mean, Shakiri, who is who I feel for because I don't know how bad the injury is, it's a torn calf in it, but I don't know how long it's going to be out. But is there's somebody who's desperate to try and prove himself in the side as well, and, and it's another blow. It is, and I was making a point this morning. Actually, I think sometimes when players pick up injuries on international duty, you just put it down to just bad luck. But I think. A lot of it is down to how much, how finely tuned these elite athletes are day to day at the clubs. As soon as that training regime changes somewhat for the international setup, something just pings and, and yeah. goes. And I think that possibly what's happened here it was, it was obviously Jordan England game, wasn't it? Which is on the the eighth of June, was it? Around <clears> then on the Sunday afternoon, and um, he come off and it. Didn't look too bad at the time. I, I didn't must admit I didn't think it, it had ruled him out of pre season. But um, he came back on Monday. They've ran the rule over him and. Um, he might not feature now until until August, which is a blow for him because at a time when, as you say, um, Mane, Firmino, and, and Salah are all out of action, he'd have got loads of minutes across yeah. pre-season. So it's a bit of a disappointment for him, but I think he's got a big part to play next season in that front line where options are a bit stretched. Nabi Keita as well, um, injured of course, playing for Guinea, um, which which was a game that I don't think any anyone, uh, a fan or member of Liverpool Football Club wants them to take part in, and yet mm. they insisted on it. And uh, surprise, surprise, he comes out injured. I'm getting a little bit worried about about whether or not it's just because he's getting brought back, or the old made out of crisps theory, isn't it? You, you you get a bit concerned about a player like that when he seems to be constantly. I mean, his injury list is already uh, you know as long as your arm, and he hasn't been here that long, Keith. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a bit of a worry, wasn't it, with him going. You sort of had one eye on it, knowing that he was probably going to come back injured. 
Um, but you've got to respect the sort of decision and the club's decision to let him go to it because obviously he's the captain of Guinea and you know what a proud moment it is to wear that armband for his his home nation. So you can't you can't fault him there. You know he's just doing what what he loves and that's playing football. But he he just wasn't ready for it. Obviously, um, he had such a strong end to the season, and it's just a shame now that you know the injuries do start to list up a little bit, add up because you're thinking you know. This might keep him out for a few months, then he might not get back on the side. It might take him as long as it took him last year to sort of nail down a place. Yeah. And you just worry about that happening again this season when this is really his season to take on. Well, it was, but now obviously, you know, his start has hampered and, you know, he'll have to sort of do what he done last year and just try and try and get back in the team. But you, you do worry for the, you know, the rest of the season. Then does that hamper the next season? You know, we're thinking he's our number eight. He's the the man in the middle for for years to come. He's still only a young player, and and know, showing flashes, wasn't he? He showed, yeah. showing yeah, flashes of what he can the be. Thing. He just started. He started showing it, and then he started producing some yeah. really real quality. So, you know, it'd be be great to just see him kick on back from this and then not look back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned uh, Ryan, Ryan Brewster. Um, how important could he be in a Liverpool uh, lineup for this season? When you consider the multi-million pound deals they're going to have to do to mm. try and get someone, you know, your Nicholas Pepe, that, they, that won't go away that deal. And we'll mention some others as well because obviously some of them are floating. Around. I'm surprised that Nabil Fakir hasn't come round again. Yeah, um, yeah. But Nicholas Pepe, uh, you know, 70, 80 million euros. When we've got Ryan Brewster, who you know won the Golden Boot in the in the, uh, in the World Cup, didn't Under-17s, he? Under seventeen, yeah. World yeah. Cup, he's clearly got a lot of talents. How key could he be if he if he if he can make that next step up? We've mm. seen players before who haven't. Let's be honest with you as well. But can he make that next step up? From what you've seen of him, Paul, can he be the sort of missing link? The sort, or do we definitely need someone who's going to be there? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because uh, we don't know really with Brewster because he had so long out injured. I was sort of running along a parallel alongside Phil Foden, who were both the star men for England in that World Cup under-17 tournament in October 2017. Brewster got the golden boot and I think Foden got player of the tournament. Foden stayed injury-free and playing in the Premier League, playing in Champions League, scoring in, in you know the Premier League and Champions League because Guardiola afforded them a chance. That chance would have come for Brewster as well, only the fact that he's been out for so long. Mm. So it's um, desperately, desperately unlucky for him at, at such a young age and... Um, when you get an injury like that when you're only a teenager, I can only imagine how difficult it must be mentally and physically because he, he said himself in an interview earlier this year, he, there were times when he just thought, this is too much, this is too hard, I either would come back from this. So for him to fight back and, and be on the brink of the first team is testament to, to how strong he is mentally at, at such a, a young age. So um, personally, I'd, I'd like to see Liverpool go and bring in another forward. Um, who that might be, I'm not sure, but... I think they are a little bit threadbare, but if uh, if they don't, which uh, it's, it's looking likely at this point, then Brewster will get a chance and uh, we will finally see uh, how good Klopp uh, thinks he is. It is going to be difficult, though, Kiefer, isn't he, for, 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 for him to even have that chance because where do you play him? Who when? I, I can't imagine there being a time during the next season when Klopp is going to sit down and go, right, I want to rest one of my front three. They're so integral mm. to that size. So you're looking at maybe minor cup games, aren't you? Um, but then you've got Divock Origi, who, who's proved himself on more than one occasion that he can be the man who can come in and step up to the plate. So... It does make you wonder whether the Ryan Brewsters of the world are going to get their chance. Ben Woodburn has found it really, really difficult, hasn't he? And I think has fallen down a pack in order and, and, and away from the chances that he got. I mean, he came on and scored against Leeds, didn't he, in the cup game? Yeah. 
But it, it, it just seems that it's a remote chance that they've got and they've got to grab it with both hands when they do get that chance. Yeah, it's so difficult. You look at like Foden and obviously, obviously um, Hudson-Odoi as well. He had, he, he'd played for England's first team before he'd played a full game for Chelsea, yeah. I think, started. And, you know, you do think he'll probably be picking up minutes. Brewster, you know, coming on late as a sub. But he's got to be this season what Origi was last season. Yet Origi is likely that Origi will be here next season yeah. as well. So, you know, not only has he got to pick up the scraps of minutes that Origi's now filling you know, he's got to be behind him in the pecking order. But, you know, that'll be an interesting battle, won't it, between them two thinking, can we displace one of the front three? And, you know, I'm sure he's a young lad. He'd be hungry to do that. You know, he'll back his own ability. And I'm sure Jürgen Klopp will as well. You know, he, he looks to be a very talented player. Um, so just hope to see a bit of him. But like Paul says, you do kind of think, do we need that? Or they're just someone there just in case. It's know. a tricky one, I don't know. But by all accounts, he's no shrinking violence. He's got a, he, he knows his abilities. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, okay. so you maybe he takes that cockiness and that arrogance kind of onto the pitch, and proves himself. Um, let's just talk about something. I mean, we, we, you know, the limelight has been shone, or the spotlight has been shone on, on this new kid, Harvey Elliott, youngest ever uh, player uh, in the Premier League. Was he sixteen? 16 and, and so 137 days. days, possibly. I can't quite remember it off the top of my head, even though I've been writing about it for days. But yeah, um, st- still a little bit quiet on that front. We we heard earlier in the week that he, he could be the next one through the door, and, and we still believe he will be. Um, but the plan seems to be at this point to <clears throat> not to have him uh, farmed out to the Kirby Academy with, with um, Neil Critchley and uh, Barry Lutus and, and uh, all the coaches there. It's more towards bringing him into Melbourne. Which uh, is a similar path to Seth Vandenberg over the summer. So and that tells you that they that they they want to get him straight in as yeah, yeah. quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, rather than him playing with players of a similar age group, who he, he's probably already ahead of it in his in his yeah. young developments, it'll be playing with you know Origi and, yeah. and obviously Shakiri's injured, but it'll be players of that ilk, established first teamers, where he's going to learn so much so quickly. Um, and obviously develop and improve, and and that that's the case with Vandenberg who made no bones about it when he said on day one that he was looking forward to playing alongside Van Dijk who's obviously the captain for his uh, his own national team so um, still waiting to hear when, when that might be completed but we expect it to, to to be done and him to become the, the second signing of the summer from Fulham's academy um, and what a what a future he's got he's already made three first team appearances for Fulham and he's, um, he's only 16 What what do we know about him playing wise is he is he an attacking midfielder is he a defensive midfielder is he a winger does he play in the wing I mean with, with sorry Kiva with, with young players it, it takes them a few years doesn't it before they, they have a position they nailed down want, and, you yeah. know, I look at Ben Woodby and I'm still not sure where his best position would be so I think at a certain age they, they don't always have defined positions do they but I know you've been looking into it a bit haven't you yeah he's played for Fulham obviously he's played for their under 18 under 23s and Fulham's first team as well and he's played even on the left wing the right wing in attack and midfield so you just you, seems a bit special. Yeah, he? he seems mm. like you know he could. He's just a forward player, and I yeah. think that's what Klopp he likes, likes that, that versatility yeah, and, and adaptability. You know, he he wants a player who can do more than one job because he's he's always long said. You know, players don't play positions; they yeah. just they play, don't they? In yeah. an area of the pitch, but you know, everyone's sort of got to do the workload, haven't they? Attack and defend. So well, it's funny, isn't it? Because it seems to me like it, it, it's very much this and uh, Sepp van den Berg shows. To me, anyway, it shows the kind of ethos that the, the, the Liverpool uh, 
transfer committee and Klopp once, which is that instead of going for delete, which everyone thought you know would have been a, a natural thing to do, there was a lot going into that. There was this wage bill, which would have been huge, and higher than some of the players in that dressing room, would have caused, I think, a lot of discord. Yeah. Um, his general signing on fee anyway, and yet they've come up with Sepp Vandenberg, who is very much of the same mould. Who is So it's like they're looking and saying, well, OK, we know that he's the finished article or, or, or is on his way to being in delete, but very expensive you know, a lot of problems could come with that. Here's another kid here. And I feel the same thing with Harvey Elliott with the, with the Sahars of the world where you could have gone out and gone, yeah, 80 million. Or if you're Arsenal, we'll give you 25 million. Um, <laughs> and yet they've gone, well, no, let's look for a kid who we think is the business and just give them that nurture and let them go through the side. It seems like it could pay off to be really good business. Yeah, well, I always look at St. Alexander-Arnold. I remember when... Uh, he had his debut at Old Trafford, didn't he, uh, in January 2017. And it was just to, to fill in for Nathaniel Klein, who was very much the, the established right-back at the time. And you're looking at it now, and Trent's one of, one of Europe's best, isn't he? Incredible, Absolutely isn't best. Young, one of the best footballers under the age of 21 in the world, undoubtedly. And he's only been able to, to show that and prove that because of Klopp's willingness to, to trust and, yeah. and, and basically give him games. So, and I think his ability to nature, isn't it? There's something yeah. about Klopp that is starting to come to the forefront where you think he knows how to put his arm... We know he knows how to put his arm around the player, but it's more than that. He seems to have an ability to get the best out of people, doesn't he? Yeah, well, it's the same thing with Mario Goethe at Dortmund. He gave him his debut when he was 16 and he ended up scoring the winning in the World Cup final and, and he was at one point one of the golden boys of Europe. So Klopp knows... Uh, what's needed to be a, a top talent uh, as a teenager and um, I'll I, I take your point about obviously <laughs> like Van der Berg's kind of the lit light if you like isn't he the, the younger lad who, who no one the day of three weeks ago but um, at this point you've got to trust Liverpool's recruitment because across the board they're getting a spot on every time so if uh, Liverpool see something in, in the 17 year old young Dutchman um We'll see how he gets on, and, and obviously Harvey Elliott uh, is already a history maker at sixteen. So, yeah. um, interested to see how, how they develop the next well, couple of years. I think there's no, no so, doubt we've got the money. It's so mm. promising that mm. these players are, you know, our average age of our squad's about twenty six, twenty seven. We're getting in players ten years younger than that. Yeah. So uh, we're Klopp is building for the future, which is just so promising from Liverpool. It's, I've never really. Not in the past few years, the managers before it didn't seem, you know, they got young players in, but it didn't feel like this level of like, you know. Yeah, and I th- I th- mm. but I think we said this in the last pod. I think the big difference is now from from recent years is we've always bought young players, but we've thrown them straight in because yeah. we haven't had the foundation of a team. So what we've done is we've bought like a left back and to chuck them in, or we bought a summer sentiment, and it hasn't worked because we haven't had that nucleus of a team for them to be nurtured into. Now we've got a. A really solid, dependable, very, very, you know, a world-class football side. And then these younger players can be nurtured in alongside them now rather than being thrown to the deep end because that's, I think, what can ruin a lot of the careers. Yeah, I don't think Liverpool need them to come in and, and be first team straight away, do they? I mean, behind the scenes, they'll obviously have long-term plans for them all, but um, it's like when Liverpool signed that Neil Italic and sent him upon goal yeah. and, and the enthusiasm was huge for them, almost to the point where Hulie felt like he had to throw them in. And I remember... Was it Chris Bascom all those years ago saying that Metallic was going to be better than Cristiano Ronaldo and that occasionally still gets brought up to him. Um, but <laughs> it's just Liverpool don't need superstars, super, young superstars to come in and, and be part of the first team. It's all about getting them in, developing them, improving them and maybe 18 months down the line they will be ready for, for you know more 
more appearances, regular minutes. Yeah. Um, but for now, it's just a case of developing for the future, and that's because they've got the team in place that is, you know, one of the best in Europe. And you can argue that the three main signings that they've already made is the extension deals on the front three, haven't you? Because because one of them goes and, and then you are scrambling because you're trying to find that balance again. Whereas, and we know that, look, we know that these contracts a lot of the time can be can be turned over by an agent or whatever. But I think in establishing like four or five year contracts, extensions for those front three, puts us in a better, better position than it does to have to go out and try and replace them, does it not? Because we've still got now, of course, um, Marco Asensio, Isco, all these names floating around. Yeah, I mean, I just can't see us doing that. I can't see us, particularly in midfield positions, because, you know, you've got you've got um, Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back. We've got, a, we seem to have a really decent midfield uh, in abundance, really, don't we? Um so the Marco Sensios, where do you think these are coming from? The Iranian Messi's, the other one. <laughs> um, where, where are the where are these coming from? Are these just part of this free for all of, of the transfer window where agents get on phones and they start fires somewhere? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of stories originate from the the country that the player plays in, don't they? Where it might be an agent ringing up a journalist and saying, um, "My clients attract an interest from Liverpool," and they're always an exciting name, aren't they? Because of the fan base and the size of the club. Ninety uh, percent of the time, probably more more than that. It's um, it's not quite true, <clears throat> and it's it's what we see daily, isn't it, Jordan? The, the transfer window, it is madness. And personally, I'm always delighted when that window shuts and we can crack on with the actual football. Yeah, um, that's when the real stuff begins. But yeah, it's just part and parcel of of um, the daily rumour, man, isn't it, Kiva? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's Liverpool aren't. You don't feel with you know one Harvey Elias if he's confirmed. They're not spending big money this summer. You don't feel. Unless they've got it though, if they need it, yeah, that's the that's the promising thing as well because yeah. you know you you know that if Liverpool need to spend the money on a particular position, say they go for that reserve sort of striker or you know the left back, they've got the money there to sort yeah. of cover that. But I feel like this, it just feels like they're playing a sort of slow waiting game. Klopp will assess his options over the next few weeks. With obviously now the football's back, he'll get to look, and you know his his team will be they'll be planning and they'll have names, won't they? I'm sure. Yeah. And again, this feels different, doesn't it, than in previous years where there seems to be in panic buying. There seems yeah. to be let's get that player because somebody else wants him. Let's crank it. There seems to be a a different vibe now at Liverpool, which is that they've they've got the nucleus and let's just nurture people and bring them in. Maybe it's a confidence as well. Yeah. You know, we are champions of Europe. If if you if Jurgen Klopp's phoning you up and saying. I want you to play for Liverpool. Nine, time, nine players out of ten would say, "Yeah, I'm on the play next plane there." Who doesn't want to play for Liverpool? Just you know, we've just won. Klopp's won his maiden trophy, and it's it's going some very good places. We'll be battling it out in the Premier League and yeah. in the Champions League. And why why wouldn't players want to be a part of this? You know, we've saw for years how even when Chelsea and United weren't doing well, or you know, but they'd still be able to sign the big mm. the big players, the big name signings, but. You know, now Liverpool are that team, I think. Well, where are we looking at? So so we've got, I mean, are we looking at Dejan Lovren possibly sticking around now? Mm-hmm. That's looking more likely, isn't it, than, than him going. Uh, Mignolet seemingly as well could yep. possibly stick around. And I have to say, during the course of last season, uh, you know, Mignolet had his knockers and stuff, but I thought he carried himself really, really well. I thought he carried himself exactly how you want a, uh, somebody who goes from first team to squad. He, yeah. he had a dignity to him, didn't oh, he? He yeah, didn't mouth yeah. off and, yeah. and he was behind him all the way, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah and I mean, as as professionalism go, I don't think anyone, with the exception of probably James Miller, would 
would come out above Sam Mignolet he, as you say there he, he's just stuck to his task he knew he, he wouldn't be getting many minutes when when, uh, when Alisson signed um, he had a bit of a grumble when he lost his place to yeah. Carriers which to be fair I could probably understand yeah. um, but since Alisson's come in he's kept his head down and he's known that minutes are going to be short and sweet and um, he's just tried to, to play when he can and um, I yeah, think he just realises that Alisson's a better keeper. Pretty much, well, yeah. He knew he, that Karras wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. I think that, that reading between the lines, that was pretty much what yeah. he said to, to James Pearce actually earlier this year. Um, look, it is looking like he's going to stay. I think the only uh, way he might leave is if uh, an unbelievable offer gets put in front of Liverpool um, and they think that it might be better to, to move him on. But uh, as far as backup goalkeepers go, I think he's struggling to find anyone as, as dependable as, as Simon Mignolet. Um, 200 appearances for a club like Liverpool. And he's sitting on the bench waiting in the wing. So the pillar got real strength and depth uh, yeah. in the goalkeeper position, which wasn't the case twelve months ago before Alisson signed. What do you think <clears throat> what do you think Klopp sees in in, in, um, in Gruwich? It's it's fascinated me that he will not let that kid go, will he? He's he's mm-hmm. he's he's had his opportunities to do it and virtually every te- every team that Gruwich has gone to, I've actually put a bid in for him afterwards. And yet Klopp and, and also seemingly Gruwich as well. You feel that there seems to be some sort of link between them because he will not, you know, he, he hasn't put a Liverpool chairs on for a long time. But this must be something there, Keith. There must, there must be something that, that Klopp sees in him, and, and likewise, he wants to be in that club because they haven't part of company. Well, he was his first signing, wasn't he, for yep. Liverpool? So obviously, that's sort of that special, you know, the first player through the door. And, you know, but even that's Klopp even could that. have picked anyone for that first sign, and he chose him. So maybe, you know, there's a little sort of special bond there. And then obviously he he had seemed to have a good good season last year with Hertha Berlin where he's now returned for another and, loan yeah, deal. Yeah. And his previous clubs, Cardiff, I mean Warnock wanted mm. him. Yeah. You know, he seems to have always gone into and yeah, he's not good enough clearly to come back, but then he just doesn't want to let him go. And I, I'm not I don't think it's I think I think Klopp's Klopp's too much of a uh, 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 he's too he's too much of a realist to say it's because it's my first son. He clearly sees the potential in that player, doesn't he, to come forward and big, he's still only a young lad, isn't he? Yeah, I think is he 23, 24? 22, I think. 22. Yeah, 22, yeah. Yeah, so he's still young, if you look, like I said before, the average age is about 26, 27. Klopp might be thinking, you know, he'd be playing in the next couple of seasons after this one, so just go and let him, you know, get some experience under his belt. And, you know, he, he had a really good loan spell and seems to be happy a bit in Berlin. So, you know, why not? Just seemed like a good deal all round and... Obviously, you know, the midfield is quite... It's the one area I think we've got quite a lot of players, you know, that, yeah. can, that can play and a lot of versatility in there as well. Um, players like Oxlade-Chamberlain who could, you know, fray forward and stuff like that. So you've got that there. And then I don't think he'd like a player like that to sit on the bench, maybe. Mm. I don't know his character. He might be a little bit impatient type of... We don't know his personality and he might be not one happy to sort of just sit and watch on the sidelines. Some players, you know, are more accepting of that than others. And, you know, he's a young lad. He'll want to play football. So for him to be going and doing that and then it's sort of one... Of, it does feel like it's one of them. The Klopp doesn't want him to be the one that got away, almost. So. Yeah. But equally, it's a two-way street, isn't it? But it's it seems to be something that he's thinking, oh, I'll buy me time. I'll go and play me football. But I want to play for that team. It's It's, you know... Yeah, well, he said he said in March, I think it was February, March time, and he said um, he, he still had designs on being a, a long-term Liverpool player. And it's interesting to, to think that he was Klopp's first signing in January 2016. He's only made 14 appearances, which is the same amount he made in a half season at Cardiff. And it probably would have been more, only Cardiff might have had to 
uh, pay up a little bit more in terms of um, the, the loan requirements and stuff. But I think I think from Liverpool's point of view, don't think it hurts them to keep a player like Marco Grujic on the books um, and just let him progress at an, uh, in, a, in a top European league at a decent team at Hertha Berlin because if he impresses, then he's, there's value on his contract that wasn't there three years ago when the market was completely different. So Liverpool... Say say he comes back next summer and they're looking to sell. He, he might be worth twenty five million euros, which wouldn't have been the case eighteen months ago when when he was coming off the. Because he built himself a decent little back. Yeah, catalog, exactly. Yeah. So <clears throat> while Liverpool buy these players and they've got to be exceptional to break into the first team, they're continuing to do it because they can always kind of move them on and, and make a bit of money on them, which uh, plays a vital role in, in the academy's continuation and. and um, helps it to, to thrive the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo what's the situation with um uh, with moreno is he fan of the club Sanford Villarreal yesterday so yeah. Villarreal. Yeah. Um, uh, so is Fairpo back on there is he back on the on the radar no it's that, that's another one it's it's the the rumor well isn't it? it seems to be like reports are, are bouncing about from site to site and it originates that the story was like Seven days old in Spain or whatever, but um, we 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 checked that one out. The Fairport one towards the end of last month, and um, got told the known certain terms that a forty-five million euro substitute left back wouldn't be coming through the doors. So that one uh, wouldn't expect that to be to be happening. It this didn't summer. seem right alongside all the other ones, uh, all the other players like the Pepe's and that. Mm. I just it just doesn't sit right for me that they're going to spend that much money on a player that's going to warm the bench. I think what they are doing now is is more down the line, which I think will frustrate a lot of Liverpool fans as well because the proof in the, is in the pudding, isn't it? You know, Alisson and Van Dijk combined uh, more than showed up a Liverpool team that yeah. were doing well anyway. But they paid big money for them. So, you know, when the Koulibaly's are floating about and they're delicting, delicting, you think, you know, there are Liverpool fans out there, and rightly so, a lot of them will think, oh, just keep doing that because that's what did it but there is clearly the ethos is still to go back to the to the to the idea of getting younger players for 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 a smaller amount of money and trying to nurture them through yeah definitely i think if you look at 2018 across the two windows liverpool spent nearly 250 million and that's unheard of for a club like liverpool they've never been a, a chelsea or a man city to 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 do that so um that was kind of like the the turbo boost that got them to the point of uh, being European champions, but it's not something that they can afford to do every summer. It's probably not something the Klopp would like to do every summer. Um, he knew areas needed improving after the Champions League final last summer, and he knew areas needed improving when he, he wanted Van Dijk over two years ago. So, um, it, the, you know, the big money transfers do help, but um, as much as Liverpool fans would love to see it happening every single summer, it's, I don't think Liverpool are, are in a position to, to do that as much as, say, a Man City or... I know they obviously can't do it at the moment, but the way Chelsea have done the last 15 years. Yeah. I think you've got to trust the process as a fan, really. You know, what what kind of direction the club's going in now, especially yeah. this summer. And look back, I've done a little article about the, the bookmakers' favourites to win the Ballon d'Or. And four Liverpool players are in the top six. Obviously, Van Dijk's nailed on favourites. And then Alisson now's crept up into third place, you know, just behind Messi. And then you've got... Um, Mane and Salah in fifth and sixth behind Ronaldo. You know, Liverpool got four of what the bookmakers and what the rest of the world say and the the best players in Europe, if not the world, you know. So, you know, trust in in Klopp. Trust in Klopp, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. What do do you think the chances are? I mean, 
when does the Ballon d'Or get announced and what chance have we got of, of having Virgil van Dijk lift the Ballon d'Or? It just seems incomprehensible. Not that yeah. he doesn't deserve it, but it just seems like the season has just been... So I mean, if you think about him, he had an 18-month injury at Southampton. He didn't really play much. And then we've, through, through, through a combination of patience and good judgments on his part as well, he's come here and, and look at the season. It's just been... He's a Champions League winner. He's the uh, PFA Player of the Year. Um... And now possibly a Ballon d'Or. It's just it's the stuff dreams are made of. For a defender, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's either early January or late December that it gets announced. Um, Liverpool have actually never had a player who's won the Ballon d'Or. Uh, Michael Owen did have the Ballon d'Or trophy in 2001, but it was actually that was when it was the European Player of the Year. Now it represents the, the world's best player. So can that Gleish come closest to winning in the, the 70s? I think when Platini beat him to it. So to for the world's best player to play for Liverpool is just well, it's never happened before um, officially, so that just shows you what a re- remarkable, incredible, spectacular—you know—all these, all these words that you want to use for Virg- Virgil Van Dijk. Um, I used to love Sammy Appiah; he was one of my one of yeah. my heroes growing yeah. up. Um, but he, it, Virgil he Van Dijk himself me, very, very quickly yeah, as a fan favourite. Um, I've never, never seen a defender like him at Liverpool. To be honest, I've never enjoyed watching us defend as no. much in my life and that's weird like when an attack comes and you're just like it's alright I'm just going to enjoy watching this Martian he's just an alien isn't he he's just <laughs> unreal yeah. it, you know like when we write about him I seem to be writing imperious every yeah, article yeah. because it just feels like the one word that sums him up he's just he is imperious and we should probably try and update the vocab there a little bit <laughs> but it's, it's hard to use all these great words for him because he is just phenomenal he's an unbelievable player and you know, it does give you goosebumps sort of thinking of him holding the, the Ballon d'Or, the golden ball at Anfield and, you know, presenting to the, like, that's just, that would be bizarre, but like, well-deserved. Yeah, absolutely well-deserved. And like you say, was it Cavallio? Who was the last person? It's been Cannavaro. Cannavaro, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? Yes. And he won the World Cup with, with Italy, yeah. So that's the last time and that's a, that's a good while, but proves that they can they can do it. And you would, you would, you would find it hard to find anyone to argue against the performances and, you know, Messi and Ronaldo have had a very hit and miss season and as far as silverware is concerned, have missed out on, on Apart from the uh, La Liga for, for Messi, have missed out on everything really, haven't they? Yeah. So Messi and Ronaldo have won, they've won t- ten of the last twelve, I think. Luka Modric and and Kaka either side of a ten year stretch between those two. So um, it's going to be a new name on on the, on the trophy this this year, and um, I'd love it to be Van Dijk. Um, I'd love it to be Salah, or you know, even Allison. Me and Christian Walsh were talking the other day. Another one. What a season. Yeah. I mean, what a season. Um, Champions League winner, Copper America winner, and a goalkeeper. Um, and and it, Golden it, Glove it, winner. And it yeah, took, the Golden it Glove took the to the Copper America for him to sort of stand out of Van Dyke's light a little bit. And then everyone's yeah, like, oh, yeah. actually, they've got a good goalkeeper. And he's not sort of just looking good because Van Dyke's so good. You know, he kept five clean sheets in a row there. And then obviously he conceded in the final, but it, that was a penalty. penalty so yeah. you let that one there slide. There was that great free you? kick that Messi took and he just plucked it out of thin. I mean, he yeah. just literally went, what are you on about? Learned his lesson, didn't he, from oh, the, the camp now? Yeah, he did. Stayed he on his feet as well. Just, just grabbed on his feet, yeah. just grabbed. I mean, it looked, it was nonchalant, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It just went whop and it was off. It was great. Um, who would you like to see then talking about that? Obviously, Van Dyke's the Mainstay. Who do you want to see? Do you want to see that recoupling with Gomez for next season, or do you think Matip has deserved to start? I mean, he was arguably player of the of the final, and 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 has played some great performances. Deserves really to be in. So I guess how it's going to go is that Matip to start and Gomez to ease in. Do you think? 
When was it? When the Champions League started up again in February and Liverpool played Bayern Munich, I remember being really worried, and, and I, I said as much on a couple of podcasts that Joel Matip was going to be standing in. I think we said he had a mistake in him, didn't yeah. we? We all felt that and he had a bit of a. He's he's made me look a mug not for the first time. Um, what a, what a six months he's had at, at the back. I think to be fair, now I think Matip deserves a lengthy run alongside Van Dijk. Yeah, he hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, I feel like Van Dijk teams just seems to be able to fix people yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And other strings um, as well. Fix me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need your fix. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, fair play to Matt. I think he's done enough to keep all of the shirts. And I love Joe Gomez. I thought he was incredible. The first stand, I mean, we were talking, season. it wasn't that long ago doing pods, previous pods and emotions. We were talking about them two being the yeah. uh, Premiership partnership. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Lavrin, who's... Um, you know, not not a bad four choice, is he? Um, so Liverpool's central defensive options are, are extremely strong when they're all fit and firing. The issue for Gomez now is to try and avoid another lengthy injury. Mm-hmm. Don't think he's injury prone. I think he's just been really unlucky. Yeah, really with, unlucky. Yeah, with the succession. It looked like a kind of a, it was a kind of innocuous challenge that broke yeah. his leg anyway, yeah. wasn't it? They're, they're always the dangerous ones, aren't they? Yeah. So I think a season free of injury for him, um, and I think he'll be the one to challenge Matter for the, for that second centre back slot. And then obviously you've got Lovren, so. Centre back options looking healthy, and then you've got your mate Sep. Yeah. Sep, yeah. Sep. He's, and he's going to be wanting to knock on the door. But again, I think we're all happy to know that he will possibly make a contribution in this in the upcoming season, but we're not expecting him to pull up trees because he, he hasn't been bought to do that just yet. Yeah. I think the good thing as well, you know, in terms of Joe Gomez's injury, it was just a, a bad challenge, wasn't it? But, you know, to have them choices of Lovren sticks around, you know, to rotate them and keep them fit and healthy. Even Van Dijk, because, you know, we feel like he could play forever, but he he probably could do with a rest every now and then. Yeah. And to have these options and less pressure Well, it's the worry of them getting injured. I mean, we all go from from game to game, don't we? Just making sure they come off. And and if if every time time Van Dijk went down last time, we were all going, I went down with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We did collectively fall to the ground. So it is to have that. What do you think's... For instance, the Dejan Lavrin, because it did look like he was going to go. There was a deal set in place. Do you think it's? Do you think there's a part of Lovren because he celebrated the, the the Champions League win better than anyone? I thought he was. He was absolutely. Do you think a part of him has sat down and gone, "I still want to be a part of this. Yeah. I yeah. still want to be where this is going." Uh, and if that's the case, then good on him because you know money turns most heads, and certainly in football. But if he's had a deal there that's going to net him a few quid, and he's thought, you know, I want to stay with the Reds because I've seen what can happen here with this club. That, that can only be commendable, can't it? I think even Lovren's harshest critics will always say that he's passionate and he wears his heart on his sleeve. And sometimes he, he, he might talk a little bit out of turn for some people. You know, there's always that, that, that cliche that he said something in the midweek, so they're going to lose at the weekend, which probably doesn't hold up if you, if you looked at it, but that seems to be the general perception. But yeah, to be fair, I think he, he probably has looked at it and thought, yeah, I, I want to be here for the long term, stay here for... He's got, I think he's got a couple of years left on his contract, has he? Um, and he, he he seems to enjoy it. He's obviously good mates with Mo Salah, um, a big part of the squad, and, and he seems to seems to love it. To be honest, yeah. I at the Boxing Day game last year, I was sat in um, what is now the Kenny Dalglish uh, Kenny Dalglish stand, and I was just below. It must have been Lovren's box, and when he scored that game, didn't he? Mm. Which is a, a great strike, I New think. Castle, I remember, yeah. yeah. And he just ran over towards us, and I was thinking, why is he running over here? Obviously, it's a wave to me now. Yeah. Um, and then I could just see, like, his, it must have been his mum just holding the sort of bar and, like, she was just crying uh-huh. and he was just pointing up at her and it was, like, this amazing moment when, you know, I've 
been a bit of a critic of Lovren in the past and not always as big as fan but that was a moment when I just thought do you know what this is a lad like you say he's wearing his heart on his sleeve yeah. and to have passionate players like that sometimes his passion has cost him in terms of lunging in and different yeah. things but you know to have one of them players on your books and you, you feel like it would probably be a step down wherever he goes with respect to, you know, yeah. I know AC Milan have been linked and stuff like that. They're still a massive club, but you feel like Liverpool's the, the best the best option for them right now. And, you know, the, there is, there's going to be minutes there for him, so he might just fancy his chances. And I think, I think the thing with Lovren is Lovren was bought by Liverpool on the strength of a really good few seasons at Southampton, scored a goal against us, remember it. And he was bought, but he was bought to be the central figure in the in in the, in the, in the defence. And I think very much in the same way as um, I knew I'd forget his name. Um, the, uh, I'll come back to it. What I mean is, if he's playing along some someone who who takes Font, was it? He played against the Southampton, didn't he? No, no, no. I'm talking about a Liverpool. The um, um, the uh, the guy who just looked like someone that, that um, Ross Kemp had interviewed in the Ukraine. Skittle. Skittle. Um I always see him and just had a ripped, a ripped open Chesterfield yeah. in a bombed out yeah. house. Talking about you know bazookas. <laughs> um, Skittle was always better when someone alongside him took control. That was the point I'm mm. going to make. And I think because we bought Lovren to be the man to do that and, he, and, and he, he, he had a mistake in him. Whereas I think yet again, when he comes alongside Van Dijk, I think he feels the, the pressure lifting. I think he feels as a player he can play without the scrutiny of him being the, the main man, whereas Van Dijk thrives under being the scrutiny of the main man. He, yeah. did, he, he played one season, I think, didn't he, at Southampton? Yeah. And that yeah. was alongside Jose Font, who obviously Portuguese player international and he looked so good but I think you're right there he, he looked good alongside him who was playing like brilliantly at the yeah. time and, you know as a veteran centre half so I feel like he does need that leader there is sort of a leader centre half I think, think that always and works better yeah. hippier and Henshaw you know what I mean that kind of feeling and I think when I think when Skirtle got his best performances out of him it was when it was when Cara was shouting at him and I think he just need. I think that pecking order has to be there. If you have two people thinking that they're the boss in the centre centre backs, they're going to cause trouble. And I think, and I think it it just shows you because Lovren was he, he talked the talk. He just yeah, yeah. not often you know walk the walk. But with Van Dijk, I think he is a better player alongside him. I think I think anyone is Lovren's the early stages of Lovren's career would have been far different if Jamie Carragher had retired twelve months later and he'd have, he'd have, he'd have had a season alongside each other at the back because I, I agree with you I think Lovren he's got all the physical tools he's left foot right foot he's, he attacks he's strong aggressive um, quite quick but I think sometimes um, you know just, just up here he switches off concentration goes maybe gets a little bit overconfident and I think if he if he does have someone alongside him talking him through nurturing him through that's when you do see um, Lovren come to the fore and it was no surprise that he, he was in great form alongside Van Dijk Towards the end of the season before last, when Liverpool were were on, on the route to the to Kiev, um, so yeah, I, I think that's a very good point about them needing someone just to talk them through it. But also, I mean, as I say, um, I, I admire them for, for for making the decision. Obviously, a Liverpool fan, you want to hear that your players want to stay at your club, and I just think it's a really nice thing for him. And again, many later have gone, you know what? We we love it here. We like the fit. And, uh, and we're going to take our chances on the bench. It says a lot about a player. I think rather than I can't stand here and these players, I haven't played for three games. I'm off. You know, you have you had the uh, Anatoviches who's gone to China. Yeah. That's just typical, isn't it? 
And he never, he must have been a nightmare of a player to manage because if it wasn't his own way, you could see the petulance on the pitch. So to have players who aren't part, they've never been a part of the Liverpool makeup. So it's great to see that they've sort of so well on to well done to Dejan Lovren and also Sam. I think that says a lot about Klopp as well. I think it does, yeah. yeah. And the vibe, the general yeah, vibe. The we squad. haven't even mentioned Harry Wilson. I mean, where presumably he'll play um, uh, tomorrow night. There's a, there's yeah, a possibility. Sure um, well, the the noises coming out of the club last month was. Um, they're not looking on selling him and he'll get a chance in pre-season and, and if he takes his chance then he'll be a part of the squad if not then they might look at one or two of the inquiries they've had for him and, and see where they go but um, yeah big chance for him he had a great season last year at Derby under Frank Lampard 18 goals in all competitions one of the best players in the championship can he do it uh, at a club like Liverpool we'll find out yeah very very interesting uh, so we've got Tramia where, the, where is the pre-season this year is it is in America yeah, so they've got Tranmere on, on tomorrow night. You're, you're going, aren't you, Keeper with Doily? Yeah, um, and then Bradford Sunday. And then it's off to um, South Bend, is it? Yeah, um, and then... They've, they've got Dortmund, Sevilla and Sporting in, in America. And then it's... I'm trying to think from so there, it's... Chicago and... Yeah. So they, they are in America and then it's... They're playing Lyon in Geneva, Napoli in Scotland, and then um, the Community Shield on the 4th. Yeah, yeah. Th- it says the 3rd, yeah. 3rd. Not that I want to pull you up or anything. Third or fourth. Whenever the Sunday is. That, of course, then is the is the. Uh, I mean, that's the real forerunner to the season, is it? Because you, mm. you expect by then, particularly the fact that we're playing City as well, that they're going to be more or less at the fitness levels they need yeah. to be for the start yeah. of the season, uh, which of course starts the week. Well, we're the first game of the season, aren't we? Yeah. Which is the Friday yeah. night against Norwich. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate you. Always appreciate your input. Kiva, always appreciate I was waiting for that like you don't appreciate mine <laughs> I always appreciate thank your you. input yeah appreciate both of you thank you very much uh, so uh, all the best to Moreno he did leave a lovely message to be fair talking about the fans and talking about you know um, how much he's loved playing the club I'm, he had his moments let's be honest with you going forward he was brilliant it was just the whole defending bit of being a defender mm-hmm. that he, he had a problem with but just his job got, yeah just the bit that he had, just the one thing he had to do um, but uh, good luck to him anyway and good luck to James Pearce another mention for Pearce as well won't be the same without your pal but uh, no doubt we'll soldier you on good luck with your new venture um, and that's about it that is another poetry emotion uh, look forward to seeing how the Reds do tomorrow and then obviously moving on to the start of the season uh, see you all again soon thank you for your continuing support and we'll see you all again soon thank you you've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo